Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. I got to get the full recording of that song, man. How cool is that little jazzy thing coming up, right? But uh, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you live. This is Ronnie K in New York, and uh, my partner in crime there is Mr. Thomas A. out in New Mexico. What's new in New Mexico, my friend? Actually, the weather has turned rather nice. So uh, it was 23 degrees this morning when I went to the swimming pool. But uh, I think it's going up to almost 60 this afternoon. Now, the swimming pool you have to speak, is this an indoor pool or an yes, outdoor pool? it is definitely oh, okay. it's an indoor pool. Okay. I got you. Okay, good. Yeah, it's uh, it I'm was not- about 18 here. About 18 here this morning, and tomorrow morning they're warning us it's going to be 14 degrees in the morning when we get up to go to work. So that's not right. Yeah. So we got another we got another blast of snow because we got the big one last week. We got last Tuesday we got 11 inches here where I live. And I, we got uh, another I really appreciate the uh, photograph of the seven inches of global warming you had at your house. Yes, I sent you. Yes, that was it. Wasn't done yet. We ended up with 11 at the end of the day. So, yeah, seven inches of global warming, as you would so aptly put. So I appreciate that coming out of you. So, Tommy, my friend, we have had a horrendous couple of weeks in the fire service. It's horrendous uh, couple of weeks. Just uh, one thing after another, one thing after another, you know. Uh, and everybody's talking about and thinking about and, and just, you know, uh, uh, a little bit shaking our heads, you know, uh, Volunteer Trevor Brown was killed uh, in Sterling in Loudoun County, Virginia. And uh, the guys in Burnsville, uh, in Burnsville uh, Minnesota, uh, the two police officers, El Strand and Rouge, and our firefighter, Adam Finseth, gunned down at, at a house. Uh, you know, it's funny, Tom. It, it, I, I've spoken to police officers my whole life, uh, on and off, you know, being the chief in different jurisdictions you interact with, always talking to the cops and, you know, what's new and you and they all said the same thing for, for 30 years, for 35 years. The domestic calls are the most dangerous calls oh, yeah. we go on. And, and even back in the day, when not every single person had a gun or a weapon, you know, you go there and, and the, the, some guy beat the shit out of his wife or something, and then you go to arrest him, and she'd come up behind you with a frying pan and clock you in the back of the head, you know, because she didn't want you to take him out of the house. So yeah. it was always, always dangerous. Now, with the weaponry and everything else going on, man, I'm telling you, uh, I, I my, my heart goes out to these guys, and and you know what, the cops it, being a cop was always a hard job. Now it's 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 horrendously hard. You it's know, I, I I remember fondly back because my dad was a police officer. Out of the uh, the five generations, he was the the black sheep, so to speak. Uh, but the stuff that they did back then would get probably them indicted now and and the the dangers of the job have grown exponentially that i don't know any why anybody would want to do that job i i i I, we talk about it a lot uh and and then there's there's a list 
You know, in New York City, the, the police department is somewhere around 36, 38,000 these days. And there's always a list to become a cop in New York City, you know, and, and, and it's like, God bless these young, these young kids who are online waiting to get this job. Uh, because I, I feel like they handcuffed when they go out the door before they even leave the precinct, you know? Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, it's it's going to take it's going to take time to you know we don't really know what happened you know for real like especially with the the gas explosion in Loudoun County you know I guess they're going to investigate for a while but uh, we uh, you know and just just prior to that just prior to that you know let, let me back up a little bit when when it first hit and and all that stuff uh, somebody posted something on LinkedIn you know I'm just a LinkedIn guy I don't do any other social media so I'm looking at my LinkedIn and there's, there's the there's the Trevor Brown uh, tragedy is volunteer fireman. He's 40 years old. He's got a couple of kids, a whole bit. And and I just posted, you know, uh, that uh, this, I, I think I wrote something to the effect of this shows that, that there's, there's no easy day. There's no routine calls. You have to, your situation, your situational awareness, your antennas have to be up at all times. You got to wear your PPE. You got to be fully dressed for the game at all times, no matter what. And, and and just treat every job like it's the worst possible thing that can happen because it could be, you know. Yeah. And, and, Tom, you and I have talked about this a lot, about being dressed for the game all the time and situational awareness, you know. That, that, that one of the questions, you know, one, the top three questions, you know, what's going on now, what can possibly happen next, and how do we get the hell out of here, right? Those are the three things. The what can happen next, you got to ask yourself that question every single time you get off the rig. The uh. – you know, you try to anticipate some of the risks that, you know, we we typically see. But, uh, you know, I, I, I look at the incident in Los Angeles that uh, sent nine firefighters in there. And from what little I've seen, I'm sure the reports as they come out will contain more information. But it sounded like they were they were doing basically what I would expect of them to try to get the uh, the tanks cool to prevent a blivy. Uh and and obviously uh, I don't know how long that thing had burned before anybody got on scene to weaken the uh, the tank structure to allow that the blivy shortly after they arrived. And uh, you know how do you how do you prepare for some of that? Uh, yeah, you, you know, we, I was we were talking about it off camera before with with our producer, Mr. Mark Howell, ladies and gentlemen from Fire Engineering, and we were talking about it. And Mark's in the middle of, of a of a hazmat certification right now for himself. And I told him, I, I said, you know, like the New York City buses run on compressed natural gas. Most of them run on CNG. <clears throat> it's it's a bank of cylinders. They're regular cylinders. They're not just using a flimsy aluminum tank. They're regular cylinders. They're gonna they gotta have some sort of a blow plug. Or, or something that's that's gonna gonna take off uh, if it gets too hot, but uh, the placard on the bumper of the bus is this big. Now you know we we know the fire department knows the buses are running on CNG. They know if they get a bus fire, they know they got to get to them tanks. But not everybody in the country is well aware of what's going on out there. Yeah. And and if if in fact this truck, this I think it was a flatbed. Was a flat just a flatbed delivery kind of truck or something? It looked like a a, a a tractor trailer, but it did not have a trailer on it. Uh, okay, so, so it was just the horse, just the horse. Yeah, just the uh, the you know the front end cab, engine yeah. drive line, all that. 
I call it the horse because it's pulling the wagon. I call that the horse. So, so, but it would it it wouldn't have regular regular um, diesel looking saddle tanks. It would have cylinders under there. Yeah. They're going to be regular regular compressed gas cylinders. And, and, and whether or not they recognized it, I, 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 what I've read, I, I didn't get that far. Did they actually recognize that they had they had CNG tanks yeah, cylinders on there? To cool the tanks. They, yeah, had they did two one hundred. Uh, and I, I forget. I think it's a hundred gallon cylinder, maybe a hundred pound. I'm I'm not sure how they were uh, weighed out there, but uh, it sounded like they were cool in them to you know mitigate the hazard. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah, and this is why we train constantly, and try to come up with these scenarios, even if you're doing just a. Uh, a coffee table kind of uh, uh, of training to, to try to at least think these things out of, okay, we got something like this. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. And, 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 and we probably, you know, we, we don't know, you know, we don't know what, what LA's training is like. We have no idea. Okay. So maybe someday we'll get someone on here from LA to talk about training, but, but at, at the same, at the same time, you know, we there's such there's such a diverse uh, a catalog, if you will, of the stuff that we respond to. You know, it's really hard to know every single thing. You know, and expect the unexpected. That the the recent uh, recent online stuff that we're getting at our job is the crane fire that happened a couple of months back in Manhattan. That that was when the, everyone who responded to that that crane on fire and then it, it burned. Yeah. Right. The tower crane. And then, then the arm fell off into the street. Everybody at that fire said, I've never seen this before. There was a couple of 35 year guys. There was a couple of Midtown chiefs that have been working in Midtown for 30, for 15, 20 years. No one's been to a, 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 a tower crane fire ever. They've never seen it. It was like, wow. I mean, there have been collapses. We know that, you know, yeah. some of them have fallen down and all that shit, but they've never been to a, where, where the whole platform is burning. And then of course, you know, the Davidon comes flying down or whatever it's called. So, uh, so sometimes you get into, into those situations like we weren't ready for this one, you know. So uh, it sounds like they recognized that they had CNG on a truck. Uh, but so you figure, all right, we'll get our cooling lines out. That's what we learned at the academy. That's what we were learning in school. Yeah. And so now you're cooling it off and the thing let go anyway, you know. So, but now we don't know the level. Now you got right now in the middle, you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the whole thing. No. You know? You know, I talk to Tommy and I tell him, behave yourself on the show, and he's got to get up and do silly things. So, what are you doing? Okay. So, he had you in for a book, I'm sure, right? Two. Two books. So, so at, at the end, what's that? I'm thinking, you know, after looking <laughs> at these incidents that have occurred within the last 30 days or so, and how do you. How do you gear yourself towards that? And of course, situational awareness is a huge part about that, as you and I have spoken to in the past. And I don't think you're going to find a safety book that you can open up to a chapter and say, oh, look, I got CNG tanks on fire. Here's my checklist. Right. That shit ain't out there. What is out there, though? Oh, look at that. What a pretty cover. <laughs> yes. What a pretty cover. It's got stripes. The <laughs> Fire Officer's Guide to Occupational Safety and Health, 
And as you state so eloquently uh, in this, this is not the how-to for safety officers. This is a broad stroke view of things that we need to be thinking about. Now, I do love you dearly, but there was another one out there that you've probably seen. Is Dave Dodd's book. I think I have that one. Again, just another kind of 10,000-foot view of stuff that safety officers should be thinking about. Is that the all-encompassing, hey, this is going to solve all our problems? No, but it should certainly take the edge off of some of them. Listen, there's no, there's no magic bullet for this stuff. It's And it's 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 diligence and training. You know, we got a couple of good people out there now that, that are just swinging that training bat every single day. You know, my, my good friend Frank Lee, he's swinging that safety, the safety and the training bat every single day in the side from the cancer prevention thing he's doing. But he was the chief of training for a while in the city. And, and it, it was, he practically, I think he did. I think he did sleep at the fire academy many nights. He just slept in the bar building with a sleeping bag, you know? So, so I saw that, uh, did he take Gary's spot? Uh, I believe, no, I think he took Ed Klima's post. Okay. Ed Klima is, is, is finished there. So he, he took Ed Klima's spot. I'm pretty sure he got that. So yeah, good luck to Frank on, on Frank Lieb. Uh, with the FRCE now uh, doing doing good stuff for health and safety and wellness and all that good stuff. He's 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 a guy. He's a man with a mission. So couldn't have a better guy in there swinging away on our behalf, you know. But but I I think you're right, Tom. I, I think what the the book the books are great. And thank you for that little side commercial. I'll, I'll send you a check for fifteen dollars. I appreciate that. But uh, but yeah, and listen. And no matter what the textbooks say. You know, you have to keep digging and, and you have to be a student of this process. You have to be a student of the trade, like they say, and you have to get your hands on everything you can and read. We talked about this the other night. I was I was honored to be a guest on Davey McGlynn's show, The Training Officer. I was uh, I did a, a podcast with him uh, two weeks ago and it was it's, it's online now on fire engineering. And we, we got I think we killed two hours. It felt like six minutes. But we, we just we talked about all the stuff about being a training officer and how important training is and, w- and what that training officer should look like in terms of setting the example, knowing their materials and all that other stuff. And and it and w- it doesn't matter if it's if it's on the back step in the firehouse on the apparatus floor or at the fire academy it, it, or you know, at any other formal setting like the NFA. You got your NFA shirt on today. You got you got your safety NFA on today, the bright orange, right? So they can see you coming down the hallway. Uh, doesn't matter. It's it's about it's about knowing you should be prepared. But on the other side, it's about the 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 uh, the, the field forces, the everyday people, the people who do the work, yeah. the grunts. They got to pick it up and read it. They got to sit there and they got to study it and they got to read it. Just talk about it. Just get the conversation started. You know. And when bad things like this happen, uh, uh, you have to try to learn a lesson. Now, now we, let, let's let's rewind the tape a little bit, so to speak. Uh, the, the Trevor Brown death, the explosion in that house, and well, we don't know what kind of. I don't. I don't remember reading what kind of gas if it was propane or natural. The one in in Loudoun County. Uh, did you see it? I think they it say was, what it was. I think it was propane because they had a. From what I saw, and you know, I'm looking at uh, social media as well as some of the mainline news folks that the uh, the tank in the yard. Uh, had uh, but either the line failed and permeated into the soil 
and then into the house from there with some of the initial stuff that I've seen. But, uh, you know, uh, we're guessing. Uh, yeah, now. Right. it's early. Yeah, it's early. I get it. Yeah, I get it. And I, and I and I you're my go to guy when it comes to that kind of I'm thinking you could look at that aerial shot of the house and say, I know what happened here, you know, because that's your talent. You know, you don't, you don't have a lot of talent, my friend, but that's one of them. <laughs> Love your brother. But uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's it's about being prepared and dressed. Now, I, we don't know what this guy looked like when he when he got off the rig or got out of his personal car. We don't know if he had PP on. We don't know if that would have made a difference. It's all very, very early for that. So, you know, I, uh, I, know enough about, I know enough about their organization to, to, to be dangerous. And uh, okay. Trevor uh, apparently worked for the uh, county combined fire and rescue department. And then apparently there's uh, still volunteer companies scattered throughout there. Kind of a big uh, kind of conglomeration of uh, career and volunteer folk. But uh, if you remember, Ron, uh, uh, Matt Tobia actually worked there for a while. And, I do. Uh, uh, Matt said they weren't without some of their cultural issues of, uh, you know, trying to, to maintain uh, good relationships throughout the, uh, the two various organizations that are there. Right. And uh, we it's actually... It's always a challenge. Hmm? Challenge. Oh, it's a yeah. challenge. Oh, yeah. And uh, we actually, in the uh, safety officer class at the National Fire Academy, we actually look at another uh, case study that occurred in, in Loudoun uh, for a large uh, kind of McMansion fire. Uh, so I, I feel like I got a small level of familiarity with uh, some of the stuff that uh, occurs out in that part of the world. Usually, i uh, that's how I go to the academy if I'm flying into Dallas, is uh, get off and drive through Sterling and then uh, up to the academy through Route 15, cross the river into Frederick, and off we go. There you are. Uh, the, the, fire, the fire at the McMansion, was that the Christmas fire that killed the parents and the kids? No. That big mansion? No, that uh, that, Anne Arundel, that was Anne Arundel, wasn't it? I think that, so. That Christmas fire, and now the the sister-in-law, she's part of the uh, the the home fire sprinkler uh, coalition. I think she her name is uh, Cher. What's her last name? Cher Grimwood something. But I think that was her family. But that I think that might have been an Anne Arundel. It was a Christmas tree fire. Took down a three million dollar mansion. Killed mom and dad and the kids. You know, just killed the whole damn family. So. Well, you look at uh, some of the other stuff that's out there, and I think you probably looked at it at the CSST fires, uh, the one that occurred in Howard County. and uh, CSST. CSST. That's yes. what said, wasn't it? I, I thought it was a CSSE. I apologize. Oh, no, sorry. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes I get something in my eye tooth, and I can't see what I'm saying. It's, it really messes me up. Yeah, that's that corrugated stainless steel tubing. Yes. Right? Talking about that. Yeah, the Howard County. Now, you see lately the wives are putting on another move. Yeah. Yeah, they, they became active. They became activists, actually. And and they want to see legislation to, to ban that, that tubing from natural gas piping in houses. I mean, it killed two of their husbands already, you know. So uh, I, I you can't blame them. And, they, and they're passionate about it. They, they want to get something done here, you know. 
Yeah, it uh, it's amazing. It's not just a problem with lightning. I think I told you I had the uh, opportunity to investigate one up in Colorado that occurred. Uh, part of the city's water line was exposed along a bridge line and froze. And it was common practice for public works to go out there and hook a welding machine up to the water line and charge that and uh, use that to melt the ice and get the water moving. Well, from whatever uh, occurred uh, down the line a little bit, the uh, the water line and the gas line uh, kind of became entangled. and They became one? It didn't get isolated into a house that uh, pretty much burnt uh, to the ground, but everything came back to the CSST uh, behind the uh, behind the stove, and uh, that was the first one of those I saw. And then started doing some research into that and discovered that lightning is not the uh, the friend of that either. Right, right. I think I think both of those fires, the Howard County, Frederick County fires, I think those were lightning induced. Yes, that correct. Yeah. So I, I did pick up an article on online in the last couple of weeks that the the wives of uh, of uh, uh, Nate Flynn and uh, Josh Laird from from Frederick and Howard County, Maryland, they they're moving toward the Maryland legislature to have them pass some sort of legislation to say, hey. You know, you got you you got to legislate this stuff out. You know, it's it's not it's not conducive, and we lost our husbands and all this other stuff. You know, and and good for them. Listen, they they they're the ones who suffered the loss. You know, this you know, and we being tied, Tommy, you and I being tied to the fallen firefighters, we understand that. We understand that. We we see it all year round. I was going to say we see it once a year, but we don't. We're involved. We're involved with the foundation all year round. We see it all year round people going through their agony and, and, and their grief. So at, at the at the very end of the day, kudos to them for taking a stand and, and trying to make a difference, you know? Yeah. They, they, they remind me a little bit of, of Vina Drennan when her husband, John John Drennan, got, got caught in the Watch Street fire and, 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 and died in the burn center with two other firefighters, uh, Chris Seidenberg. Oh, God, forgive me. I can't think of the third guy's name, but uh, – the good Lord will forgive me for that, but the, the three of them got killed in a flashover, and and she took up the, the public fire safety education mantra for the next twenty five or thirty years. You know, yeah, uh, she came out of the Telluride one year where uh, to speak. Oh, okay, and yep. uh, what a what a lovely woman, uh, just, isn't she? I'm t- uh, you know, other other than uh, we could talk about we can Vina, Vina gets two minutes of our show without a doubt. It, other than the, the 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 person that she is and and the, the the how smart she is, she was an English teacher for many years. She, she's good. she's very well read and all that stuff. Um, I just I when when I when I met her at at the Memorial Weekend, you know, after John got killed, and then she was on the board for a while, and she came and she spoke and she did keynotes, and and then she came out to FDIC and keynoted one time. Um, I, I realized that, that the fiber of this woman was like nothing I've ever seen of a, of a widow of a firefighter. And, and and what I used to say is any woman that has to go through this should have just a thimble full of Vena Drennan's fiber to help them get through it. Because I, I, I never met a stronger woman in my whole life. Just, just you know, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, whatever you want to call it. But she had this fiber about 
how she survived this whole damn thing and raised, I think, four or five kids and all that stuff, you know, uh, and just just a wonderful person, absolutely wonderful person. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I haven't seen Vina in a while. I, I think she's done with her fire service career, which she which she took on after John got killed in the 90s. Uh, but by the way, to watch Street Fire, where he did get killed, along with, uh, I think the other firefighter's last name was Young, Young and Seidenberg. Uh, that 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 uh, initiated the wearing of bunker pants. That one fire is when they went to bunker pants. So, uh, you know, you, you always say you hope they don't die in vain, these guys, and, and sure enough, the city went to bunkers after the Watch Street fire. So, uh, I, uh, if I remember correctly, the cause of that was uh, combustibles in the way of trash left on the stovetop. It, it, yeah, we're trying to. I, I always go back and forth. There was either a bag of garbage or a bag of groceries, but it was a bag, and and it was an old gas stove that had a pilot that had the little flame in there all the time, a little pilot flame. And the young couple who lived, it was in the village. It was in Greenwich Village. That they had no sense of fire safety or anything like that, like most people. And they put the bags on the stove and went out, and then it lit off, and the rest is history, like they say. So that was her mantra. Her mantra was that that public fire safety education is almost non-existent everywhere, you know, not just in New York, but everywhere. And we need to do better and, and educate the people on fire hazards and all that stuff. So she she's kind of took that mantra and she ran with it. But, yeah, it was a bag. It was either garbage or groceries. I don't remember. But uh, – Yep, and but like I said, they they didn't die in vain. Those guys, uh, we went to we went to bunkers after that fire because they got horrendously burned up, uh, pretty pretty bad. So uh, and and you know what? The, and then we're talking about these incidents, uh, like how I, I how ready are we for for what what comes our way? Um, not that not that we haven't looked at this in the last fifteen or twenty years. But but the Super Bowl shooting, the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. Now look what happened. We know what happened in Vegas. You know at the con the outdoor concert, and all these big, what they call mass shootings. Whether it it's three people or three hundred, they call it a mess. Uh, uh, but at the end of the day, um, I, I think they were ready. But I think they just it was unexpected. That's what I think. I think they really. When, when the shots rang out, everybody thought it was fireworks or something, you know, like no, you're kind of ready. But like when it happens, you don't believe it's going on. You just said, this can't be happening. Not here. No. In fact, I got to thinking when I saw it that uh, I was watching the, uh, the news conference uh, when the police chief and the fire chief were talking. And uh, I kept thinking it was in Rube's neighborhood. Uh, but it was in Kansas City, Missouri, I guess, is where the incident actually took place and not Kansas City, Kansas. Right. So I still, uh, I still got to uh, get a call into Dennis just to say, I'm just checking on you, making sure things are going okay. And I, I think, aren't the, both cities just separated by a bridge? Yeah, pretty much. Because I think, and, and from what I mean, because we, we, we've, been th- we've been out to Kansas City, Kansas for I think for FRI for IFC yeah, uh, yeah they they hosted a car I went out to a couple of those in the in the earlier mid 00s and I know Kansas City puts on their rigs it says Kansas City and they put a little mo under there and Kansas City KS because they go across the bridge on mutual aid and stuff so they can keep track of themselves I guess you know whatever it is I'm trying but, to uh, 
which side of the, the water what the Smoky Dyer was on. As, as I think the, he was on the I think he was on the Kansas side. Okay. I think he was on the Kansas side. I remember going out to FRI in the late nineties and he was still around Smokey Dyer as a chief. And he was kind of like a, a major player at the conference because we were like almost near his hometown or in his home, you know, we were close by, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, those, they didn't expect that the cop, you know, they had, they had a, a ton of law enforcement there because, you know, the fire medics were standing by and then all of a sudden it's coming down all of a sudden here it is, you know? So, I, I I think I you know I, this this discussion has to lead to to urge everybody or anybody who's listening you know our, our four listeners that we get once a month is to urge them to stay on your game it, it, the the it, the world has changed and it's still changing and you got to stay on your game uh, uh, a situational awareness preparedness preparedness being ready for anything being well, ready you look at what Expected, you know, and all that stuff, but it's true. It's true. There's there's all kinds of stuff coming down. You look at Burnsville, where you know uh, one of our brothers gets killed in the line of duty, and two police officers along with him. And then, uh, you know, just uh, a couple weeks ahead of that, in uh, East Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, which I think is outside the uh, the Philly area. My Pennsylvania geography is not what it should be. But they had two police officers shot at a structure fire. What the hell's going on? Exactly. Exactly. I saw that also. And it's like, what the heck? You know, what you know, and, and, and it, it immediately pushed me back to to uh to uh New York State. Uh what was that? West uh can't think. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, five, six, seven years ago, in uh, West Westerville, or I, I can't think of the name of the town. They just our guys got off with a garage fire. There's a guy at the grassy knoll with a rifle, and all of a sudden they're picking off cops and firemen at at at, at fires. You know, uh, yep, yeah, can't think of the name of it. Somebody, somebody send it to. It's up outside Rochester. Yeah, it was West something. It was West something, but sure enough. So here these guys get off, they get off the rig for a garage fire and, and, and one of them gets killed. The other one gets shot up, you know, and, and uh, there's a, there's another lesson in there. Um, listening to the tapes, the radio tapes of that, of that firefighter crawling, shot up, yeah. crawling around the other side of the rig, picking up the handset and not screaming or, or not just very calmly giving information. We're under attack. We've been shot. I think my partner's dead. Send the police, blah blah blah. I mean, it just uh, uh, for me that was like award-winning behavior. You know, we talk about you know pressure under fire and all that kind of stuff. So I, I <clears throat> so I, I and you know what you, you don't want to. We don't want to think about stuff like that, like getting shot in the fire. You know, and and Tommy, and I know you'll you'll definitely uh, identify with this. But the first time I ever heard of that was when Lou Jones got killed. Yeah. Him and a paramedic got gunned down in front of a house, you know, in, in Roswell. And that was, you know, just kind of a, you know, uh, Lewis uh, was just that kind of guy. Showed up and saw things that were going okay with the fire. He didn't need to jump in and take command or anything. Battalion right. was doing a great job running that. And they said, hey, we got somebody hurt over at this house. Would you mind going over and checking on them? 
and we know the end of that story is he ends yeah. up walking into the house and getting shot. Yeah, him and, and and I think he was at a medic as well, right? Yeah, and the uh I think I think the homeowner uh also received injury. It's been a while. Uh yeah. that's a long time ago. That's twenty five it that's gotta be twenty five years ago. Gotta be. So we're talking about Lou Jones. He was the chief, chief of department in Roswell, New Mexico. I had met Lou six months before that happened. I by by happenstance, I met him at the National Fire Academy. We were down there reading reading Fire Act grants, AFG grants. So we were in the same group. I met him. You know, he was a guy. You 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 spent ten minutes with him, and you felt like you knew him your whole life. Just that real sweetheart of a guy, big Hulk of a dude, also. You know, and uh, got gun. Got gunned down walking into a house with a medic. So that was the first time I ever heard that. You know, I know all of a sudden we got medics and, and cops getting shot at fires and medics getting shot at fires. It's like, you know, this is this this sends up that flag again about, you know, should we be wearing body armor? You know, we're looking at that now in the city. You know, our, EM, our EMS people, they're, they're talking to the city now about body armor, about wearing body armor on the jobs at 10 hours a day, you know, on shift. That, because it's uh, da- that dangerous. In- that incident was in Webster, New York. West Webster. That's what it was. Thank you. West Webster, New York. I, I, I knew you'd bail me out. Uh, I knew that. <laughs> you know, just as you get older, you, you, your memory starts slipping and all that stuff. You know, so. yeah. Thanks, Uncle Frank. <laughs> you are Uncle Frank, aren't you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so it's, 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 uh, it's one of those, one of those things that's about, you know, just being cognizant of what's going on. <clears throat> you know, you would pull up to a fire. No one's thinking about that at all. I don't care what, you know, every day, Tommy, you know, you know, my phone goes off five times, six times a day. There's a, there's a house fire somewhere or a commercial fire in the city. They're not, that's not even, they're not even thinking that. Them guys pull up, they, they get off the rig, they start stretching lines and they're hooking up the hydrant. They're not thinking about anything else, you know? So I, I don't know where it starts or where it ends at this point. Look at uh, so much of what we do is muscle memory. Right. And, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the neurolinguistic magic that happens of uh, RPBM and uh, the other things that create what we use to solve problems every day. But you you throw a wrench in like violent incidents and it's something that's out of our wheelhouse. It is. It is. I agree. I agree. And, and yeah, because we we have that we have that that database, that hard drive for fires and incidents. You know, if you did it long enough, if you've been around long enough and, and you know, and we've been around forever. But for anybody else out there, when you're out, just, you know, you got the slideshow starts clicking in your head. I've been here before. I've done this before. I've, it was successful. I'm going to try it again. And you keep going. That's the RPDM stuff. Right. So now all of a sudden, two shots ring out at a fire. It's like, wait a minute. This wasn't in the brochure. What was that? <laughs> yeah, this wasn't in the brochure. Hold on. I don't think I ordered this. This is this is not in my contract kind of a thing. So so but I think I think the fire service has to start taking that that turn, that little bit of a turn to say, wait a minute, maybe our essay has to be a little sharper and and maybe when we get off the rig, we've got to take a good look around. You know, just take five seconds, five seconds and look around and see if anything looks out of place or wacky. 
and then go to work. You know, five seconds isn't going to make a difference. It's not. You know, the uh, the Cumberland County boys had uh, put together some of that training for highway incidents. Yes. And I, I kind of almost equate the two. And I can't remember uh, who the, the guy was that was speaking on the videotape. But his deal was if, we, if you're operating on the highway, you got to operate like they're trying to kill you. Right. And I've used that. I've yep. used it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I pirated that saying a thousand times because I, when I talk about safety, when I'm doing a safety class, we talk about highway operations. I taught the same thing. You have to set up like they're trying to kill you. Right. And here's you know? the, the thing that pisses me off about some of the societal things that are happening in our world right now. Are, are we to the point now where we say, we got to operate like they're going to try to shoot us. And, and I hate to go there, but we may have to. Well, I, the, the thing is, the violent crime is up. No matter what side of the aisle you live on, no matter who your president is, no matter what party you believe in, violent crime is up everywhere. And it's not just New York City. New York City is the OK Corral right now, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's not good. Uh, but we're not, we're not, we don't hold the exclusive on that. It's everywhere. You know, this is, uh, you know, Burnsville, uh, Burnsville, Virginia, right? Virginia, Minnesota. I'm sorry. Burnsville, Minnesota, I'm taking a Loudoun County. I got, I got my, 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 I got my bad, my bad incidents mixed up, but, but these, you know, traditionally these aren't necessarily violent towns, but this stuff is everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, we, we talk about the active shooter. When, you know, when, when every time we get a bad active shooter and we say, you know, where, where did it happen? Well, it happened in this town. It happened in that town. You know, the first big one was in Columbine, Colorado. Yep. A nice little town, nice little sleepy hamlet, Columbine. It's like, holy cow, you know. But as time went on, we realized nobody's immune to this. Nobody is immune. This is anywhere at any time, at any moment, you know, and the Kansas City parade, and it had nothing to do with the parade, had uh, nothing to do with the football game, you know. A couple of young, a couple of young snots had they had pistols with them, they had an argument or a fight with somebody, boom, they pull them out and start shooting, you know. So that could happen anywhere. So your situational awareness, you know, I, I hate to keep using those words, and 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 I hope that Richie Gassaway doesn't sue us for for using that because that's his gig. But we're gonna have to have him on the show one day. I think we should have him on. We should have Gasaway on the show, unless you got a problem with him. Oh. I don't know the guy. I don't know him that well, you know. But I know of him, and I, I met him once or twice. But he he he's he's out there swinging that swinging that banner on situational awareness. He has his little mantra: situational awareness matters. Sam, he's got his little Sam quote, you know. And and I, I think yeah, we have him on and chat with him one day about and, and about this stuff, you know, and see what he has to say about it, you know. He's got a doctorate. He's, he's Dr. Richard Gassaway now. He's, that means he's smarter than us, so we should have him on the show, you know? Put some wisdom on this friggin' screen for a change, you know? You know, uh, my mother always said you should hang out with smart people. And, uh, Why is that? You're, you're my man, Canterman. <laughs> oh, boy. You're in friggin' trouble. And don't tell mom. <laughs> you're in friggin' trouble, you know? But, uh, yeah, they, they, listen, we, we, we did well. I mean... Our last show, we, when we had uh, uh, Frank Lee and Joe Jordan on, we had two good smart guys with us. They made us look great. 
They made us look great. I got a lot of I got a lot of nice feedback on that show. Got a lot well, of good I feedback. Yeah, comments from Jack Murphy that wanted to know if uh, Joe had uh, bought all those textbooks that were sitting on the. Uh, the, the that was Lieb. That was Lieb's book. Yeah, Frank Frank Lieb had all the books piled up there, and uh, and he kept ringing Joe's phone at the end. I thought that was hysterical. That was great. That's why I put on all my postings. Watch, watch the podcast, but hang out all the way at the end for the surprise ending. I put that on, on my postings, you know. We had the sure. surprise endings. Yeah, I, I, get, I get it. As yeah. I was uh, digging uh, for stuff to talk about today, uh, I noticed that the, uh, the double line of duty death that they had in North New Jersey at the port, uh, apparently the Coast Guard and the uh, NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board are holding hearings as to what occurred uh, at that rather devastating ship fire. And uh, through testimony, they're kind of gleaned kind of a picture of what happened. And uh, apparently, I don't know much about steamadors where people load in ships, but it doesn't sound like it's a very uh, safe operation. They were using a, a vehicle to push other vehicles to get them jammed in there enough to get everything on board of this thing. And apparently nine hours prior to the fire, uh, they were using, I think, a Jeep Cherokee to push some of these vehicles in place and that uh, that vehicle was smoking, uh, just being used not not the way uh, probably the manufacturer had intended to. But uh, what else is no? The and I hate to think in my mind if they said, "All right, well, this thing's not working right." dump it and get another vehicle to do whatever magic you have to do to get that stuff loaded on there. Could that have prevented that, that fire from occurring? Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. Else. So I'm sure the reports are going to, uh, going to come out with some of that. Uh, also what came out in the testimony is the uh, ship's crew tried fighting that fire. Uh, they hooked up a hose line to one of the shipboard hydrants and couldn't get any water out of it. So, again, circumstances that are there that I'm sure are going to come out when a report gets published as to answer some of the questions I've got. And certainly I'm the whiz uh, when it comes to shipboard firefighting. But uh, there was a a comedy of errors there that uh, led to, to true tragedy. Uh, you know, it, it, when, when, we, when we're looking at, at this kind of an incident, we look at this kind of an incident and, and, and you know, the, the, one of the big things that came up was the, the training or lack thereof, you know, that, that Newark had, you know, in shipboard fires and stuff like that. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's also, and, and this is not a diss on a Newark fire department. They, they're, they're a long time kick ass group of people. You know, it goes back many, many years, probably to when you were when you were riding around with Newark. You know, but but you, you have to also take that initiative, whether it's the bosses, the company officers. You know, had 
when this happened, I had a, a chat with Jerry Tracy, and uh, we had Tracy on the show. You know, uh, Tr- Tracy was a captain in a truck company on the west side of Manhattan, and he told me he said when those cruise ships came in, he would t- tell the guys, "Saddle up, we're going down to the pier," and they would go down and look at the cruise ships and talk to the captain and talk to the, the ship, the mates, and all that stuff. Show us, show us where your standpipes are. Let's check the threads. Do we have the right adapters? All of that stuff. He made it his business to get down to that West Side Pier to go look at the cruise ships and 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 see what was going on down there because we're, he as as he said we're going to get the call they're going to call us we know we want we want to get at least a basic understanding of what we're going to do when we get there so it's it's like anything else you know, you have to you have to kind of go that extra mile all the time you know it for the fire and I, I'm not saying this is Newark. But for the fire departments and fire companies that sit in quarters, you know, like they say, watching Oprah and eating bonbons, waiting for the bell to ring, you're cheating yourself. You know, that might have worked 50 years ago and back. Yeah. It doesn't work now. Well. The, well, the hazards, are, you got the hazards are diverse. They're too big. They, they, it's easy for stuff to get out of control. Tommy, there are cruise ships coming into Manhattan. That I've I've never seen the likes of this before. There was one in a few weeks ago. It's a Virgin Virgin uh, Airways. That guy at Branson, he's got a cruise ship now. Okay, I'm coming down the West Side in, in Manhattan early in the morning, six o'clock. It's still dark, and I see the Virgin sign. Okay, and I'm thinking that's a, that's a lit billboard on the roof of a high rise. It was on the stack of the ship when I got close wow. enough. Yeah, I thought it was on the roof of a high rise. It was on the stack of the ship. And and four, three or four uh, berths over is the Intrepid, the the aircraft carrier. It looked like a rowboat next to this thing. The Intrepid looked like a rowboat wow. next to this cruise ship. You know, we're talking just from from the pier to the top levels. It's a high rise. You know, you're talking about 15, 20 story building. You know, so there's, there's a lot going on in these boats. <laughs> yeah, it, it was tough to kind of take a look in retrospect at some of the decline of fire protection in the city of Newark. They had a fully staffed fire boat when I was buffing there. And Is that, that right? It was yeah. at the Academy, the John F. Kennedy. There were guys assigned there. It was a regular firehouse. The port had its own firehouse. And uh, neither one of those things exist anymore. Not the, you know, point fingers, but, you know, how much complacency comes into the decision makers are saying, eh, yeah, it's the port. We haven't had anything happen down there in a couple of years. Exactly. And, exactly. and say, eh, we don't need to be spending money on that. It, it, it's like anything else, Tommy. Every, it's, everything's okay until something happens. Yeah. Everything's okay until something happens, you know. And and so so what what happens now? So that the port authority and city of Newark they chip in, and they buy a new boat and uh, they put a couple of guys on, and that's it, right? I I don't know. I don't know if I, that'll come out. That might come out of the recommendations from the hearings. Yeah. Uh, but in in general, there's got to be some port safety and port port security is huge since nine eleven. But port safety, there's got to be something there. They got to have something. Well, you know, I think of uh, Port Authority with some of the stuff that goes on. And I had uh, didn't realize uh, that they didn't provide fire protection 
in areas outside of airports. So if you got, you know, Kennedy, you got LaGuardia, that's all Port Authority, uh, actually police that's doing it, Newark Airport, Teterboro, where uh, I understand that our friend Lafey Workus is still uh, working at the Teterboro. Yes, he is. Yes. And uh, <laughs> will, will one of the recommendations be saying, uh, we we got to start providing fire protection to uh, some of our other customers, so to speak. Yeah, well, I mean, p- particularly in you know, Port Newark, I, th- I think it's in the top five busiest ports in the world. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going through there, man. You know, it's 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 three exits on the turnpike. You know, mm-hmm. if you, you, if you're doing 75 on the turnpike for three whole exits. You could see the Port of Newark. It's it's not just you know a, a 10 by 10 shack at the end of the pier. It's huge, and there's hundreds of thousands of container ship, uh, shipping containers going through there, and hazmats, and probably all the illegal drugs that the people could try to send over without the dogs getting it first. You know, the dogs do a great job, you know. But at, at the end of the day, it's a big operation with a lot of hazmats coming through, and something simple as as a truck full of a truck a boat full of cars, and and it took two of our guys, you know, so. They, they, they need to do something. I, I, the, I meant to ask you that the hearings, I remember there, there was a, about a month or two ago, there was a huge article. There's a reporter covering those hearings and he wrote and he kind of caught everybody up. Is there still an ongoing reporting being done that you saw? Not that I've That's- seen, but I'm sure something's out there. Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm trying to, I, I scribbled down the name of the guy who's a maritime fire wizard that uh, okay. did some stuff on YouTube that looked at some of the stuff that I never would have thought of when it comes to thinking about the, the hazards and risks of maritime firefighting. And uh, that, for me, being an uneducated guy about, you know, what, what do you do with the big boats? Uh, right. it, it was eye-opening and the stuff that I never even considered. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, I'm a hazmat guy, but but maritime, uh, shipboard firefighting, the uh, the closest I got to that was after after the submarine fire up in when I was working up in Eastern Connecticut, up in Maine at the base, they had a sub fire, and and then we got we got together with the base chief at the New London Groton sub base. He asked us to come in and talk about the fire they had up there, and if I had a fire here and I called mutual aid, you guys were all going to come. You know, let, let's put our heads together. So we, we went on to the SS Pittsburgh, which was in dry dock at the time, and uh, try to figure it out. And we, we got off the boat after two hours and we looked at Tommy. His name thought the great guy. Same haircut, by the way. His name was Tommy. He's got the same buzz cut. Uh, he's a little more trim. Don't don't feel bad about that. I know you don't. But uh, I said to him, you're screwed, baby. <laughs> That's what I told him after the tour. You're screwed. You know, because what happened was, up in Maine, when while the while the sub is burning, the, the base fire department shows up and the admiral's screaming at him to get on the boat and put the fire out. And the chief was going like this: "We're not trained for this, buddy. You know, we're here to protect the base, the buildings on the base, the structures, the hazmat. We don't we don't fight shipboard fires. Your guys fight the boys. We just support them. You need more hose coming down the hole. You need ten more CO two extinguishers. We'll drop them down the hole. But." So the, the, the admiral and the chief are screaming it out, and the chief's holding his ground. And then they're calling mutual aid, and the mutual aid companies raised their hand. They said, we'll go in. 
It's like it was a miracle they didn't kill anybody. A miracle. So uh, the upshot of that fire, by the way, four hundred million in damage on that submarine, and the only people who can fix it or decommission it is Congress. So it's got to go to Congress, and uh, they voted to decommission and take it out of service. It was an awesome fire, by the way. It was a construction work, a contract that needed to half a day off to go to go into an appointment. They told him no, so he started a small fire. Half of the four hundred million. The, the only the, the biggest fear was that the, the fire was making its way back to the rear to the nuclear reactor. That was it. It was like the hell with the sub. Stop it before it gets to the nuclear reactor. That was the big deal. Wow. So uh, yeah, well, that was a little bit of a wow. I'm sure a little pucker factor there, but. Uh, you know, that, again, that was that's my only exposure. I went to a couple of meetings at the at the, at the Groton New London subbase, but that's it. You know, that's that's it, that that ship and even the base fire. Like I said, the base chief and the base firefighter, it's not their bailiwick. It's really not their. You know, they, they they're supporting the ship's forces. The ship's forces fighting the fire right there in the dock if they have one. So, so I came across one other item, and it's uh, rather unfortunate as to how some of this stuff transpires. But the, the line of duty death of uh, Michon Plummer from Chicago Fire uh, back on December 21st uh, kind of caused a letter to be sent to the mayor of Chicago from the Illinois Division of Occupational Safety and Health with a rather strongly worded message that they need to do something to improve firefighter safety. Uh, it was not only the, the line of, uh, of duty death from firefighter plumber, but the, uh, the two previous line of duty deaths that occurred in the city uh, have a lot of the same characteristics. Uh, they were looking Chicago's, at- Chicago's had a little bit of a bad time in the last year or two, right? Yeah. Would that have three? Have three, Tommy? Three. They have... Uh, SCBA issues, uh, guys uh, not maintaining radio contact, delaying calling a mayday, uh, an evacuation order that was given by the incident commander that a lot of people didn't hear. Uh, Stuff that we haven't seen before, but it's amazing how some of these communication issues keep repeating themselves over and over again. And I I am reminded of... uh, Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again the same way and expecting different results. The one yeah. thing that did kind of bug me, and I'm hoping they're, they're looking at it, is uh, firefighters going in by themselves. And I don't know whether this guy was doing a search or what was, but he was pretty much operating alone in the building. And apparently from what the letter from the uh, occupational safety and health people said that's kind of an accepted practice in their culture well not not if you look at the respiratory protection standard and then there's a little thing called two in two out you know nobody should ever be operating by themselves anyway you know and and you know and, and all of that stuff yeah uh, but again everything is okay till something happens so they they're operating like this. And now a guy gets lost, and then he gets trapped, and we and and then we have another funeral. So, and I'm not again. This is this is not a Chicago bashing show. We don't do that kind of stuff. We, we always tell our people keep your gun holstered, let everything work itself out. Let's see, see what the investigation looks like, you know. But there there are certain 
rules, federal laws, OSHA, whatever it is. That's why OSHA's in the middle of this. It's an occupational death, and they got rules. You know, you know. That, so they got, and, uh, one of the eye openers that uh, I saw was uh, after the Challenger incident, and I'm trying to remember the guy. It was a TED talk that a guy was doing about the normalization of deviance. Probably Mike Mullane, I'm thinking. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. That I, was, Mike, Mike, Mike Mullane, by the way, Tommy, is New Mexico's astronaut. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I met, like I, an idiot. <laughs> I met Mike in 2000. He came to Merck, and, and I met him. We made friends. We've been friends ever since, by the way. And and uh, he lived right. He lived 10 blocks from my sister in Albuquerque. Okay. So we had a little bit of a connection there, you know. Uh, but, the, yeah, he, he said that, this, that he talked about the even on his current DVD. He's got a great DVD, Mike. He's in a National Speakers Bureau and all that. But he talks about the normalization of deviance. Hang on. You got up to get a book? I'm going to get a book. Hold on. All right. So we got this one. And uh, where's my lanes? Okay. So, okay. So number one, for you and everybody else watching, if you want a good inside look at NASA, the Challenger and the space program with a, with a lot of good humor, okay, Riding Rockets, that's Mike Mullane's book. You got it. It's great. A lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff, but a lot of inside stuff that you never know about. Riding Rockets by Mike Mullane, that's him. Uh, super guy. Really good guy. Now, this is where it comes from. The normalization of deviance comes from this. The Challenger launch decision by uh, Vaughn, Diane Vaughn. Okay. Uh, you, can see the, you can see the yellow stickies in there, right? See the yellow stickies? Those are my leadership stickies and all the, the salient points. But uh, that's where it comes from. The normalization of deviance comes from this book, okay, by Diane Vaughn. And what, what she said, Tommy, was... Basically, there was no single person to blame for the Challenger explosion. She says it was an entire culture that sent that rocket up, knowing knowing that the 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 O rings on on the solid booster rockets were bad. And and uh, what happens was the normalization of deviance. They, they had their, their 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 set parameters and their rules that if if the O rings come back because those solid booster rockets would fall to Earth to the ocean, we'd pick them up and use them again. And they pick them apart first. If if there was a uh, like a little burn through or a little damage, they had like a let's say an 0.50 movement on on the thing, you know, of the gasket. And then they had some movement because they had a little burn coming through, so it's supposed to be tight. But this fire getting through it. So well, if, if it's 0.75, it's good. If it's 0.1, they kept moving the scale. So they kept deviating from where they should be, and the deviation became the norm. That's the normalization of deviance. And it happens to us, when I talk about safety, when I do a safety class, I use that. I use the normalization of deviance. You could put the ladder up like this 400 times, nothing happens. 401th, it goes sliding down and you got a busted face because you're falling on your mask. Or that captain in, 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 uh, in uh, California who went running across the terracotta roof and then fell in, okay? He went up there. The guys he worked with said he did it a thousand times. Thousand and one, he went through, lost his life. So, the norm when we deviate from our norms, we get in trouble too. If this is applicable to the fire service, you know. Sorry, man, you, you hit you hit on a passionate thing for me, and I've been no, looking at this no, shit. That's good, bud. That's good. 
Hey, I, I was uh, ran, ran across something uh, while I was uh, doing a little research the other day. I saw Lasky's back at work. What'd you see? Uh, he took another chief's job. He did? Yeah, and I can't remember where it is now. Oh, last I saw, he was driving a bus. <laughs> did you know that? No, I did not know that. You did- you know, you know the Rick Lassie bus. Oh, somebody just wrote in. Oh, Colorado. Mark, Mark just put on the chat. Okay. So wait, he, wait a minute. He moved to Colorado. Yeah. To get a cheese job. <clears throat> no kidding. You know where in Colorado? Uh, up north somewhere. Uh, not not close to us. Uh, but he went back. He went back to work, huh? Well, the the bus story is about four years ago at FDIC, which four years or so. We're talking with baloney. We're in we're in the speaker ready room in, in the back there hanging out. I said, What are you doing with yourself these days other than traveling? SD's Park, Colorado. Okay. I said, What are you doing with yourself? He said, I'm driving a bus. I said, You're driving a bus. Who are you, Ralph Cramden? <laughs> so what happened was <clears throat> he said in, in the city, the little town he lives in, wherever I don't know if he lives still lives in Louisville or well now obviously he moved to Estes Park, Colorado, but I don't know if he lived in Louisville proper or just outside, but the buses, like, they run, like, just daylight hours and on Saturdays, like, once every two hours. Like, there was no – they had buses, but there was, like, no money to really run a good transit system. So him and his wife went out on a Saturday morning, and they went shopping, and they killed, like, two or three hours, and they're driving back, and they passed the same little old lady waiting for a bus who they passed at 9 o'clock, and now it's 12 o'clock. So, you know, Rick being Rick, yeah. he pulled over and he said, hi, I'm the former fire chief from Louisville. He shows his bit. He goes, you've been standing here three hours waiting for a bus? She said, yeah. He says, where are you going? She said, well, I'm on my way home. I was, I went out very early and I can't get in the car. My wife will take you home. So he takes this nice lady home. And then he goes to a council meeting, I think. I think he went to a council meeting or he went down to the, the bus company. And he's like, what the hell? He's asking the questions. What the hell? And they said, we don't have enough drivers. We don't have enough money. You know, you want to drive? (laughs) Well, I think one day a week during the week. And he he took the Saturday route. So they'd have more buses on a Saturday for the old people to go shopping. Uh He's been doing that for three or four years. Yeah. And he was loving it. You know, you picture Ricky on a bus, man. You know, hey, come on in. He gets out. He helps them get in. He breaks the packages, you know. But I, I didn't know he went back to work in the fire service. I had no idea. That's hysterical. You know, that was one of my favorite Bruno stories. Was uh, the, And apparently the, it was Bruno and a, another guy was with him. And they're driving down a street in Phoenix and it starts the rain which is a very large event in the city of Phoenix because it doesn't I'm sure it is. often. But uh, they see an engine company pull up to a bus stop, and the guys got out. Uh, apparently the woman was carrying groceries, load her and the groceries into the fire engine and take her home. And uh, Bruno said the guy that – I can't remember who was with he, him. But he, he had a guest with him from out of town. It was a guest from out of town. Yeah. And was terribly upset that the guy stopped and picked this woman up. And Bruno's like, why? It's her fire truck. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that, that's that's a lesson learned right there. It's her truck. <laughs> you know, I, I love this shit where, like, 
like certain fire departments or even when I was in North Plainfield, there was a chief there when I first started to, to go there. Thank God he left. He got he, he got out of there. But he his thing was keep the doors down like we're not even here. Well, no, this is the people's firehouse, man. They're paying taxes in this little town in North Plainfield. They, they get to come in here. I, and when I got to Wilton, we had a pretty good open door policy. But I made sure my guys knew and said, listen, people want to come in. It's got to be daylight hours, like between 8 in the morning and 6 o'clock at night. We don't want anybody in here at night when it's dark or anything like that. But visitors, all day. All day. This is, you live in this town? I, I had This was funny. I had a... Uh, had a young couple come. We had the annual, I think it was the, the Labor Day parade in town. So we put our apparatus. I'd take my car down there. And I'm just, I went to the firehouse first. And this young couple with a little kid comes up. And I said, hi, can I help you? I said, I'm, I said, everybody's out. We're all at the parade. My guys were there already. I said, I got to get down here and get in formation. They said, oh, they said, we, 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 we just moved into town two months ago. And we heard about the parade, but we're not sure where it's going. I said, get in the car. So I put mom and dad and junior in the car, got down, took my spot in front of the line, my apparatus behind me. And, uh, you know, we, we went through the parade route. I says, hey, open the windows, wave to everybody, you know, everything. So we're all waving and everything. And then the, in, in, in uh, Connecticut, the, some big cities have a mayor, but the rest of the towns, they have something called a first selectman. It's an old New England title. They still use a board of selectmen and first selectmen. First selectmen is like the guy in charge. He calls me the next day. Hey, Ron, who, who were those people? Was that your family, your relatives? I said, no, Bill, they're taxpayers. <laughs> he says, what were they doing in the car? I said, the same thing. I said, it's their car. <laughs> I just I, I just rented, it, you know? And he started laughing. He goes, you know, I never thought of that. I said, no, Bill. The, 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 I said, come in the firehouse. There's $3 million worth of equipment. It belongs to the people. They paid for it. So, yeah, he got it, you know, and it was all good. You know, he wanted to know who the strangers were in the car. These are your constituents, boss, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I remember that 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 episode with the, with the Bruno C. He had an out-of-town chief with him, and that guy couldn't get over it. What are your guys doing loading somebody onto their fire truck? He said, it's our truck. I remember that. I remember that story. But I did not know Lasky was back in the game again. That's I'm going to have to call him. I have to call him. If I remember right, Estes Park – is where that hotel is, where they filmed The Shining. I could be wrong, but I, I wouldn't know. I would not know. I'm not. I'm not a horror picture guy, other than the horror picture that I live with every single day going into New York City. That's my horror. That's my horror movie. But other than that, everything's good. Everything's good. I uh, did want to mention the uh, the passing of uh, Marcus Hudson. Uh, line of duty death that occurred in uh, Plainfield, New Jersey. And uh, again, uh, we'll wait for the reports to come out on this. That may have been the result of a structural collapse uh, in that building. But uh, again, keep uh, his family and the members of the Plainfield Fire Department in your thoughts and prayers. Yeah, we, when I, the 11 years I spent in North Plainfield, a lot of our work was in Plainfield. We, Basically, North Plainfield goes there as, the, as their fast team. And, and, and more than 50% of the time when they get there for fast, the, the, the chief on the scene says, get another line in the building. So uh, the guys in North Plainfield fight a lot of fire in the city of Plainfield. They were actually there as the fast team and had put their hands on him in about six minutes. They had him. They had him, but he was busted up pretty bad. He had a lot of internal injuries 
whatever happened, whatever fell on him or whatever he fell down into, it busted him up inside. So he was alive. They got him out. He was talking to them. They got him to the hospital and he expired at the hospital. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and it, it's interesting because City of Plainfields had tons and tons of fire duty over the years. And that was their first LODD. It was, uh, I, I was, I wasn't happy to hear it, but I was a little surprised that with all the fire they've had there and how old, and how old the city is. Um, that was their first line of duty in the city of Plainfield. But, uh, I, I kept in touch with the deputies, a very good friend of mine. We were, we were Coleman together in the town and he's now, he's now the, there's two deputies in town in, in North Plainfield and he's a deputy in North Plainfield. Uh, you know, Robbie, he's, he's, he's from, he's one of our team leaders at the Memorial weekend. I was in touch with him and uh, we had, a, we had a couple of long talks and what they, what happened, what they think happened, how it, you know, all that stuff. And, and they were affected. I mean, his guys, his team pulled it, pulled them out, you know, so they, they were affected. So some CISD stuff and uh, you know, all the stuff that goes with it. He said, he said they had a good response. I think there's a CISD team through the IAFF or through the FNBA. They responded right away and, uh, and started doing what they do, you know, to keep everybody's head on straight. Cause that'll twist your head off your body real quick, yeah. real quick, real quick. So, so what else, Tom? I think we're uh, winding down here. No, I uh, think you may be correct. <laughs> Yes. Do, do you have a roll call for today? No, I do not. And, you know, okay. this is, uh, I, I like the format of recording. Uh, but, you know, when we were doing the show live, it right. was easier to track all the LODDs from show to show. And right up to that moment. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that uh, with all the other ones. Uh, just right, so you know what you know what then, then I then maybe what we should start doing is is we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll track them from recording to recording that's all you know last time we we, we recorded our show this you know we could do that you know if that works for you it works for me yeah and uh and in the meantime we'll hope the list is short and getting shorter that's really the goal right short list um so for for our uh, our viewing audience uh uh, we uh, we are off in March. We got uh, we got a day off. They granted us uh, leave. We got thirty days leave. And April uh, we plan to be at FDIC live. The, the, our producer Mark uh, told us that he's putting our lineup together, and all these shows are going to come live from FDIC. Of course, they'll be recorded at that moment. But if you watch it, if if you tune in, we'll be live and in person uh, right now from FDIC. Currently, we're Tommy and I scheduled for Wednesday, April seventeenth at five o'clock. So uh, tune in, and turn on, we'll get in and win. We'll be on the show floor, so uh, I'll, well, I'll post on our social media and uh, other places of what we will be uh, there. If you want to come by and visit, we'd uh, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 did you see? Do you have an idea what, where they're going to put that, Tom? No, the, uh, the show. We missed it. The we last year. Yeah. So in the past, they had a studio set up on the on the way on up on the second deck uh, in a private room and we would sit in there and just do our thing. But allegedly they're out somewhere on, on the exhibit floor or out in the hallway somewhere. So you can kind of walk by and you could see it while we're doing it. And uh, you can wave, make faces, you know, uh, keep your pants on, please. You know, let's keep it uh, civil. But uh, yeah, I'd love, love to meet everybody and anybody coming by and 
talk about stuff. You know, we love talking, as you could tell. This is what we do. We talk, right? And uh, the older we get, the more we ramble. <laughs> huh? What do you say your name was again? What? What's it? Uncle Frank, is that you? <laughs> Uncle Frank. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, so uh, with that, we're going to wind it down. Hopefully our uh, our, uh, our producer, Mark, is uh, listening in, and he's going to get ready to do the outro. We always have an intro, and then we have an outro with a little bit of music. But uh, before we do that, Tommy and I want to remind you always keep buckle your seatbelt, wear your mask, wear all your gear, be ready, get your situational situational awareness antennas way up. Uh, we're, we're in an ever-changing world every two seconds. Take a good look around. Uh, uh, know two ways out of everywhere. And before you go in, make sure you know how the hell you're going to get out. So with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye for now. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Stay um, safe, everybody. All right. We'll see you.